and welcome to the Narrow Road Podcast, a place to share the journey of walking with God on the narrow road that leads to life. I hope that you find rest and encouragement here, but above all, the awareness that you're not alone on the way. Welcome back to the Narrow Road Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Bowyer, and it is my immense pleasure to be back with you. We are still trucking right along on 365 days of podcasting, if this is your first time joining me. This podcast is a personal challenge to myself. I've never done anything like this before. It's a personal challenge to do something I've wanted to do and I'm passionate about every day for 365 days and see who I become and where it leads at the at the end of this journey. And it has taken a lot of discipline to record episodes consistently for now we're on 12 episodes, but I'm going to keep going because it is my joy and my privilege to do this. And I'm learning a lot and I'm growing a lot. And I'm very, very thankful for each and every one of you who is along on this journey walking the narrow road with God, understanding who we are and falling, I hope, deeper in love with the Lord as he illuminates our understanding. Today's episode, I want to talk about freedom. And freedom in the Bible is constantly discussed, especially through Paul's writings and most especially through Jesus's words and lived example. But it got me thinking about what are we free from, right? There's freedom can, in its own way, can be aligned with whatever you want it to be. Freedom from, freedom for, freedom to. Yet we have to look at it through the lens of Jesus. What is this freedom he's giving us? And to be free means you were unfree at one stage or another. To be free means you were a slave to something, a prisoner of something, and now you were set free. And so I wanted to look deeper at what Jesus means, what the Bible discusses in terms of freedom. What what can we look forward to? What 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 is the perspective we should be living from inside of freedom in Christ? And how can we appreciate that more? And maybe even unlock deeper and, and fuller realms of freedom in our own lives. So let's go ahead and dive in to the glorious Bible and the words of life that we might have a greater revelation of truth today. Okay, as a little side note, I noticed that I said that this was episode 12 when in fact it is actually episode 13. So just had to correct that because wow, it's been 13 episodes as of today. That is exciting. So cool. <laughs> Let's dive in now to looking a bit further into what is freedom? What exactly are we free from? And I'm going to start us off in the book of John, the gospel of John. This is chapter 8, starting in verse 31. This is Jesus speaking, and it is a it is one of those intense, powerful <laughs> passages. And I think this whole podcast is going to have an air of deep conviction and truth and I'm excited for it, but let's go ahead and read the words of Jesus as he is speaking to a group of Jews that have been following around, uh, following him around, some of whom were Pharisees and sort of a wide range of Jews that he's talking to on this particular day. 
John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, and I, I just want to stop there for a second because I'm kind of jumping into the middle of a chapter and he's been saying quite a bit about himself, who he is, who Jesus is, who this man of God is to these Pharisees and different people, not necessarily defending himself, but explaining who he is. And of that group, there was a portion who believed him, who believed what he was saying. And so that's where we're starting is he's talking to the ones who seemed sort of pricked in their hearts by what he was saying and were receptive and interested in his words at this point anyway. So John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore you do not hear, because you are not of God. So Jesus pulls no punches in that passage of scripture. (laughs) These are Jews that have been following him around. They've been asking him a lot of questions. And for a moment, they had begun to believe him. And then Jesus speaks straight to the heart. He speaks straight through them inside of their questions, citing their pride as they were saying, listen, we're sons of Abraham. You know, we we know who our father is. And, And he said, yeah, but, you know, if you really were sons of Abraham, if you were living from the same place and the same perspective and the same faith of Abraham, then you would believe me. <laughs> you would understand what I'm saying. But instead, the father, God that you think you serve, Abraham that you think you come from, is not demonstrated by your life. And that is evidenced by the fact that you cannot believe me. You cannot hear the things I'm saying and truly believe them because you are deceived into thinking 
that you are, quote unquote, saved. You are, quote unquote, a believer. And yet, really, your father is the father of lies. He says it straight up. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. <laughs> that's that's intense. That's That's a major reality check he is pouring out on these individuals. To, and I think what I love about Jesus is he loves people enough to tell them the truth. He loves them enough to tell them the truth. And he knows them enough to know the truth and to release that into their hearing, to, to offer them opportunity to abandon their old ways, their old father, and come into the truth. But it takes pride. It takes, a, excuse me, a destroying of one's pride, a crucifying of one's pride to make that decision. So he says, the desires of your father you want to do. And so what are the desires of their father, the devil? What is the desires of the devil? Ultimately, it is right what he says. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar. He speaks from his own resources, which is it's, it's the opposite of truth. And earlier in that verse, uh, Roman, excuse me, John 8, 32, he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So the truth is the opposite of a lie. God is the opposite of the devil. And when you are not free, to be not free is to be a slave of sin. And sin is a bit of a dirty word because uh, it's been sort of tossed around so much in, in ancient society, modern society, that it's kind of lost its, its understanding. It just seems like, oh, anytime you do a bad thing, you've committed a sin. And yet it is, it's, it's deeper than that. And so I wanted to talk about what we're free from, right? And we're free from sin. We're free from our, our fatherhood of the devil when we come into Christ. But what is, what is sin? What does that even mean? What are we exactly free from? So in 1 John, not the book of John, but 1 John 3, verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4, the clearest definition we have of sin is the transgression of the law. And so another way that that is understood is, well, sin, the Greek word used for sin is hamartia. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, but it's H-A-R-H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A, hamartia. And in the Greek lexicon, that the root of that word means failing to hit the mark. Failing to hit the mark. So sin is ultimately failing to hit the mark, okay? Failing to hit what mark? There is uh, another book that goes deeper into sort of, it's like a Bible dictionary. You've probably heard of it. It's called the Zondervan Expository Dictionary of the Bible. And it specifically says that the Greek word hamartia, also the English word sin, and related words like it, incorporate the full range of meaning of all three basic Hebrew words for sin, which are hata, pesa, and awan. Like them, hamartia assumes a divine standard or norm and portrays humanity as missing the mark. Sin is not only missing God's mark, it is an inner reality a warp in human nature, and a malignant power that holds each individual in an unbreakable grip. That's in page 568. 
So let me read that again. Sin is not only missing God's mark, it is an inner reality, a warp in human nature and a malignant power that holds each individual in an unbreakable grip. That unbreakable grip that you feel you're in when you're apart from God, when you're separated from God, the the way you felt in life before you knew God. And if you don't know God right now, it could be the way you feel in life right now. That seemingly unbreakable grip, that warp inside of you where you know something's missing, something's wrong. You're pulled in directions that don't bring you peace or joy or life. You are ultimately living in sin. That's what it is. Another way to look at it is to be living separated from your father, living like an orphan. You know something's wrong. You know something's missing. That is orphanhood. It is the spirit of the orphan. You are separated from your loving father. The unbreakable grip. However, it may be unbreakable to a human, but it is so not unbreakable to God. He has a plan to free us from the slavery of sin. This is how Jesus see it, sees it. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. To live inside of that quote-unquote unbreakable grip is to be a slave to it. That's why we can't get out of it of our own free will. We can't self-help our way into freedom. We can't just quote-unquote make ourselves sinless that's it's not it's just not possible when we are living in sin we are living in rebellion in rejection of god we are ignoring god the bible says we are falling short of his glory oh yeah it's a lot it's a lot So we understand that when Jesus died, he died to set us free. That was the point and purpose of his life lived, to be an example of what was available to us as we walked this earth inside of God. But his death was to create the path to live that life. It was to end the separation between humanity and their father. It was to create direct access to God that only God, through dying, could create. Just as sin entered the world through one transgression, Adam and Eve eating the apple, so to speak, the fruit, and then in the garden of the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just as sin entered the earth through one transgression, freedom from sin, redemption from that, entered the earth through the death of one holy, holy God. So he came, he was hung on a cross, and he died to create that, that ending of separation and that direct access to the face and nature of God every day abiding within us. And this is why Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is what he gives us. So when Christians accept his love, when we come into the loving arms of God, we were in sin, we were separated, we were living as orphans of, away from our Father. 
thrown to and fro by the sin, the difficulty, the trauma, the evil of this life. And we came into the sound, secure safety of a loving father. And when we did that, when we had that glorious exchange of my dead life for your full life, God, then we became alive in Christ. And so many times what you'll see as a Christian, right, is once you enter into the kingdom, you do what? You follow up with baptism. Baptism was a spiritual principle that was instituted in the Bible to express surrender. It was to be a picture of our own death. We go down into water and we come up new and alive in Christ. It is to represent death and burial. We're being put down inside of something into the earth and we're coming up new, resurrected, just as Jesus died on the cross was laid in a grave for three days and then was resurrected into newness and into fullness to create that path forward for all of us. So we engage in the experience of baptism to say publicly, I was once this, I have now chosen to die with God, to live again in newness and fullness of life. So when we look now at Romans chapter 6, this is the great gospel chapter. He's going to go into an understanding of that freedom now. When we became a Christian, the, what that freedom really is, when we experienced new life in God, when we chose to be baptized and came forward, this is what we now live in. Grace, 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 right? Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1, Paul writes, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, that the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Woohoo! That is so much hope in there and so much truth. And he's talking to people who have made the decision to enter into freedom. And he's saying, 
You are free from sin forever and for always. That freedom has been granted to you, a freedom you couldn't and didn't have apart from God beforehand. So if you can think back to your life lived, I know I can, the life I had before I met the Lord, truly met the Lord at 19 years old, I can remember the lostness. I can remember the general sense of like a lack of morality, a a lack of, certainly a lack of joy, certainly a lack of freedom, certainly a lack of peace, but just a sense of lawlessness. I was raised in a Christian home, so I knew right from wrong. I knew aspects of God's character and how I should live, but I didn't really have a, a desire. I didn't have the grace to live from God's God's love and God's uh, expectations of me because I didn't even know him. And unbeknownst to me, I was dead. I was walking dead. I was the walking dead. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand that or appreciate that until I gave my life to God, until I literally yielded over, submitted who I was to him. And when I went into the baptismal pool at my church and came up out of that, I kid you not, I was transformed. It was the most radical miracle of my life. I had no idea what life was. I felt like I saw color for the first time. I breathed for the first time. I could see for the first time. I had no idea how blind, how deaf, how lost I was until I came into the kingdom. It was a true, 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 life-defining, earth-shattering miracle. The gospel is real, and it is alive, and salvation is real. And it is transformative. And the freedom I was given from sin. I didn't understand sin. Sin didn't make any sense to me. If someone had tried to talk to me about sin before I understood God, it, it was just like, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I'm just living my life. I'm I'm a good person. You know, there was no knowledge. And someone just trying to shame you and say, you're a sinner, that would mean literally nothing to somebody who doesn't walk with God. The concept of sin is laughable. It means absolutely nothing. You don't know you're separated from God because you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing until you enter in. And when you enter into Jesus, you can look back and hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You see what you had been missing. And then there's a part of you that's like, man, I wish I had known him sooner. I wish I'd made this decision sooner. But at the same time, you came when you came. God knew when the time was right. God knew when the soil would be ready. So when we are living in sin, that can literally be the sin we lived in before we met God, a general lifestyle of lawlessness, when we live completely self-willed with no sense of restraint, no thought or care for God, His law, His ways. But it can also be when we transgress his commandments in specific. If he says, do not steal, and then you steal, right? Do not lie, and then you lie. <laughs> do not murder, and then you murder. You're, you're probably acting like an orphan. You're probably living outside of his will for your life. But Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There is no 
limitation to the freedom of God. That unbreakable grip that sin, sin seems to have on you when you come into the kingdom and when you stay close to Jesus in the kingdom, sin then becomes something that is so undesirable, so unthinkable. It, it cannot, it feels utterly weak. When before it had an unbreakable strength, now it feels so weak you could blow it away like a feather. That is the power of God to bring truth into our being, to change our inner man. When we become alive in him and awake to the spirit of God, we are truly, truly free to live as God defines our lives. And God, being a perfect father, knows exactly what kind of a life is a perfect life, knows what life brings you peace, what life brings you joy, what life brings you hope, when, what life brings you abundance. Hmm. He is the light of the world. He is the truth. We do not walk alone. We do not walk in darkness. We do not walk in sin when we are in God. We are free and we are new creations. So I declare over you, no matter how long you've known God, no matter how long you've walked with him, I remind your spirit today that you are a new creation. The old you has been dead and gone and the new has come. My pastor, Bill Johnson, says this, at some point you have to actually believe in your own salvation. Instead of thinking that sin is crouching at your door and hounding you every minute and you're constantly having to resist the temptation to sin and do something evil, at some point you have to believe in your own salvation, that what Jesus did is real, that he really set you free, that you really have power over sin. That you really are a new creation, not a changed creation in a little bit or, you know, a little bit different, slightly, you know, 180. No, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen. Sin, ultimately, is the separation from God. It's the way we think, act, behave when we are far from him. It's when we forget that we are sons, when we forget our sonship, when we lose sight of our identity and we begin to let the old man, when we begin to resurrect the old man and think like an orphan. I bless you to know that you are a son and a daughter of the living God. You are a new creation and you are free. You are free. You are free. In Jesus' name. I thank you for listening to this episode of the Narrow Road Podcast. I hope you will come back and join me tomorrow for another one. Thank you and bye-bye.